Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. You're listening to the FT Money Show, brought to you by Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. I'm Richard Anderson from Investors Chronicle. And I'm Steve Lodge from FT Money. And together, we'll be bringing you this week's financial lowdown in downloadable form. So Steve, what's in the show this week? Well, we're going to be giving lots of tips on how to make and save money. We discuss which way mortgage rates are heading, and how you could pass on assets to future generations without paying exorbitant tax, and good news, bad news. And if you've got a subject you'd like us to tackle, you can email your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. But first, we're going to take a look at the markets, which are bouncing around all over the place at the moment. I have with me Simon Thompson, who is company's editor of Investors Chronicle. Simon, could you just start by explaining just what's going on in the markets right now? The uh, US and UK stock markets have had an amazing bull run over the last four years, rising over 100% each, and uh, this peaked out in July. And it's no surprise to us at Investors Chronicle, because we predicted the markets would peak out this summer, and we'd be going into a bear market. You actually published a piece, I believe, in July, predicting pretty much actually what, what's happened. That's correct. I actually analysed every single bull market and bear market in the US over the last 75 years and actually realised that any stock market boom, bull market, that started in the second year of the decade in the US actually ended in the seventh year. The seventh year of the decade is a graveyard year for markets. So this is basically what's happening right now? It's exactly what's happening right now. And actually, if you look at the UK stock market over the last four years and actually draw a trend line through all the um, troughs that the market's made, that trend line actually broke down last week, which is actually very, very significant too. So what's actually happened in the last week then? Well, you've had uh, an unwinding of the carry trades. That's where speculators have been borrowing cheap yen and reinvesting the money overseas for high-yielding assets. You've had uh, a rout in the bond markets. You've had hedge funds unable to make margin calls because the value of the assets they've invested in have plummeted. And uh, people have got very, very jittery indeed. So obviously the markets have come off a bit. But I mean, according to your research, you actually think markets have got quite a lot further to fall. When I looked at every single bear market in the US over the last 75 years, I realised that a bear market in the US, this is, peak to trough, so from the peak of the market, the Dow Jones was 14,000 points last month, to the trough, it's going to be a minimum of 17% drop. That would put the Dow Jones industrial average at under 12,000 points before we see an upturn in the markets. And what effect would that have on the UK market? The UK market's got to be dragged down with it. There's no way out. 
And if the UK market falls as much, the UK FTSE 100 index would fall to at least 5,500 points. So, and you seem quite relaxed about all this in, in stark contrast to a lot of the panic that's going on in, in trading floors around the city. Um, you think there's, there's an upside to this? There is a huge upside to this because we know at Investors Chronicle something that not very many people actually know, and that's that in the third year of the US presidential cycle, the UK market has never, ever fallen. And to recap, this third year of the presidential cycle started on the 3rd of November last year when the FTSE 100 index was 6,150 points. So we predict at Investors Chronicle that by the 3rd of November this year, the FTSE 100 index will be back above 6,150 points. Fantastic. There's clearly opportunities everywhere, both on the way down and on the way up. What, what is the best way that investors can take advantage of these opportunities? Well, we've been advising investors to actually short the market through listed CFD products. Societe Generale is one of the providers of those that we've advised readers to actually use their products. They can also use covered warrants, uh, which is an excellent retail product, or they can use spread betting accounts. That was the Investors Chronicle, Simon Thompson. And you can find out more about Simon's market analysis at www.investorschronicle.co.uk. Still to come in the programme, a sassy pension scheme that gives you greater flexibility and good news, bad news. But first, with interest rates now at five and three quarter percent and turmoil in the credit markets, we look at where mortgage rates are going. Elaine Moore spoke with Melanie Bean of Savile's Private Finance to find out more. So Melanie, why are so many borrowers expecting a hike in their monthly mortgage repayment? Well, people who have got mortgages at the moment, uh, quite a lot of them are coming to the end of cheap two-year fixes, which were taken out in 2005 and were as low as 3.75% in some cases. Unfortunately, since then, interest rates have gone up, and so the cost of fixed-rate mortgages has gone up as well. So if those people want the security of another fixed-rate mortgage, they're going to find they have to pay quite a bit more for it. And are borrowers better off looking at fixed-rate or variable-rate mortgages now? Well, it very much depends on your own circumstances. If you need the security of knowing what your mortgage is going to be every month, then you ought to go for a fixed rate. If you don't need that certainty and you could cope, say interest rates went up a bit further, uh, you could still cope with your repayments, then a tracker rate mortgage might be better value because a lot of people think we're nearing the top of the current rate cycle and if that were to be the case, they may then start to fall and, um, again, you'll you'll benefit because your mortgage payments will come down as well. And tracker rates are cheaper initially compared with fixed rates at the moment. You can get a tracker rate for you know under five percent whereas two-year fixed rates start at around five and a half percent. So if people don't feel confident about taking out a variable rate mortgage what other options do they have? Well, we always say for first-time buyers and those on tight budgets, you really do need to go for a fixed rate. Like I say, they are more expensive than tracker rates, but that doesn't necessarily mean it should put you off. There are other options. You could go interest-only for a few years. The important thing there is to make sure that you do remember to switch back to a repayment deal because you want to make sure the capital's all cleared by the end of the mortgage term. If you go for interest-only, that will lower your monthly repayments. Another option is to extend the term of your mortgage. So instead of going for the traditional 25-year term, you can extend it by two to five years. And again, that will lower your monthly payments. And when you've got more money or when rates come down, you can overpay. Or the next time you remortgage, reduce the term again so you're not paying it off forever until well into retirement. And there are other ways you can do it as well. There are longer-term fixes, which um, are slightly cheaper relative to short-term ones um, because rates have been coming down on there. But again, you don't want to fix for longer than you're entirely happy with. That was Melanie Bean of Savile's Private Finance. 
And to find out more about every kind of mortgage, visit ft.com forward slash money. Coming up, good news, bad news. But before that, we take a look at small self-administered pension schemes, also known as SASs. It's very difficult to pass on wealth to the next generation. Annuities don't allow it. Alternatively secured pensions are taxed so heavily it's almost impossible. But SASs, which have actually been around for a long time but not many people know about them, allow you in certain circumstances to pass on wealth. John McLeod spoke with David Seaton at Rowan Moore Pensions. Small self-administered schemes effectively started in about 1979 and they've been used by company directors and their families to provide pensions ever since. With pension simplification, the rules on taking a pension um, not only allowed these things called alternatively secured pensions, um, ASPs, but they also allowed trustees to give their members scheme pensions. Scheme pensions is just a device whereby the trustees pay a pension to the member all the way through to his life expectancy. Exactly the same method that's used um, in all the large final salary schemes throughout the UK. What a trustee of a small self-administered scheme, a SAS or a family pension trust can do in exactly the same way is vote a scheme pension to the member. Now, he would have to take advice from an actuary to see that it was affordable and was within the rules. But effectively, on taking a scheme pension, the member gets his pension from his fund to the end of his life. And at the end, if there is any money, then that money stays within the scheme and there's no liability to inheritance tax charge or to any scheme sanction charges within the scheme. And although there was some consultation by the government, it's been confirmed that there will be no charges. There is, I suppose, a risk that this could be retrospective, but you think that shouldn't be a risk? Well, yes. I mean, some people say that ASP was a tax avoidance, an anti-avoidance way of avoiding inheritance tax. The government got concerned that scheme pensions could be similarly used. And in the last budget statement, it was suggested that there would be a review of scheme pensions to see whether they should fall into the same sort of tax bracket. However, the government didn't do anything in the 2007 Finance Bill. That's now a Finance Act. And we believe that effectively there is no loophole, there is no anti-avoidance measures necessary. An actuary will have to use a guilt yield to decide what pensions paid and he'll have to take due recognizance of the member's likely mortality date. Therefore, his calculation will be on the basis that the scheme pension will run till the member's death and at the member's death there will be no pension fund. Therefore, there's no fund, therefore there's no inheritance tax liability and there's no inheritance tax gain either. So people shouldn't see these as a tax evasion device, but there are presumably other reasons that people might want to use a SAS or a family pension trust. Absolutely. It's certainly not for inheritance tax avoidance, although if the member did die suddenly, say soon after age 75, there would be a fund left which could be passed without liability to tax. But scheme pensions can effectively actually pay more than an alternatively secured pension in any case. The government's calculations for calculating an ASP is to use the mortality yield for a 75-year-old and the current guilt yield and take 90% of that. An actuary probably would be able to use something higher than a guilt yield if the fund is properly invested and will use the guy's normal mortality and not take the extra 10% off. So generally you can expect to receive more money from a scheme pension than you would from an alternatively secured pension. Using SASs or family pension trusts 
you can also pass assets down the generations as part of the pension scheme, such as commercial properties. Yes, the great difference between small self-administered schemes and what we call family pension trusts over conventional SIPs is that you're pooling several members' funds together. That gives you the advantage that they're sharing in the assets of the pension scheme. This gives the members more control over what goes on because they're the trustees, they're not beholden to a provider like a SIP provider. They can make all the decisions themselves and it means that if they have perhaps family premises in the pension scheme, that premises doesn't have to be sold to pay somebody's pension because it can be passed down the line to younger members of the family as part of their pension, whilst contributions coming in from the children perhaps are used to pay grandparents' pensions. The whole common trust or family pension scheme can carry on living throughout the generations. That was David Seaton at Rowan Moore Pensions. And finally today, good news, bad news. Uh, We've all had probably more than enough of credit markets this week, credit market turmoil. So, Richard, what caught your eye apart from that? Well, there's one particular product that that definitely jumped out, something actually titled Bespoke IPD UK Monthly Index Tracker. Oh, dear. (laughs) Precisely. This thing was basically launched as a, a very simple tracker fund following the Commercial Property Index. Pretty low risk, you'd think. Tracker fund, low risk. Commercial property, low risk asset class. But unfortunately, things went pretty horribly wrong. This thing was only launched in November last year. Since then, the index that it tracks has gone up 13%. The fund has actually dropped over 7%. Ah, so what's the problem? The problem was, obviously, they couldn't go out and buy bricks and mortar. So they used the derivative markets. And quite simply, they got it horribly wrong. So where do we go from here? Well, as I said, you would expect this to be a low-risk product, and trackers generally are. I don't think people should be scared that any tracker fund they have is suddenly going to plummet. But it does just show that any financial product can go wrong. Sound advice, Richard, if yet more bad news. And that's it for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. From the FT Money Show team and our producers, Blue Barracuda. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.